Hi, I'm Dr. Akiva Down. And I'm Rabbi Avi Green. And welcome to Interesting Questions. In this podcast, we'll be addressing issues that are philosophical, religious, and psychological in nature, and exploring some of the deeper questions as we go into Season 2. We will be focusing on that which is considered to be controversial, and there may not be a right or wrong answer. So we are hoping that our discussions will yield more questions for your Shabbos table. Here we are with Pirkei Avot, Perak Aleph, Mishnah Yud Zayin, 17th Mishnah, Shimon Beno, Shimon his son, meaning Shimon the son of Rabban Gamliel, Omer used to say, Kol Yumai Gudalti Ben HaChachamim, all of my days I grew up among the sages. Vilo Matsati Leguftov Elashdika, and I have not found that anything is more beneficial for the body than silence. Velo hamidrash hu ha'ikar, and study is not the most important thing, ela hama'aseh, but rather action. Vechol hamarbeh dvarim mevichet, and anyone who excessively has too much, and we'll talk about whether that's too much talking or too many things, brings upon themselves sin. So as we jump into this Akiva, we have another three-part Mishnah, and... I think we should start right at the beginning, where he says, All of my days I grew up among the sages, and I have found that the thing that is most beneficial is silence. So, we have a couple of expressions, right, in English that allude to this, right? Walk softly and carry a big stick. Um, the idea of silence is golden. The, you know, say little and do much is more of a, a, a Jewish idea, but it has certainly crossed over into the general parlance. Um, talk to us about this idea of it's not what you say or, or, or silence is being good. Not going to lie, I was very tempted to just not say anything. That being said, we can't do that because it's a podcast and that would just be dead air, which, you know, podcasts are not good for. The idea that silence is valuable, we know that. And I think part of it is is sometimes there isn't anything to say. And it's interesting, he starts with how he grew up amongst sages. So obviously we're talking about people with knowledge, people with wisdom, and I do think those two are different. Um, and I think when I think of our, our, our sages, the Chachamim, I think of it as wisdom. Knowledge, yes. They spent their lives learning. But there's wisdom that has come to them as well in many cases. And I think that with that wisdom is the understanding of silence. Silence is something that does have its own sound. It allows for internal monologue, which I deal with people all the time who their internal monologue is devastating to them. It's hurtful, it's negative, it's 
oftentimes wholly inaccurate, very rarely overly positive. But internal monologue doesn't have to be this evil attack. Internal monologue can be just having time to think. And sometimes, as we see when we use things like meditation, it's a time to just be. Silence is really such a value. You can sit with someone, not say anything at all, and just enjoy the experience. I think that's an important thing. I don't think that's exactly what you were asking, but I think nevertheless, it's an opportunity to get out there the idea that, well, let me toss this back at you, Avi. This is just another human question. I know that I have certain relationships in my life where two of us can just be sitting silently. All of a sudden, we can be laughing. And more often than not, we're laughing at the same thing. Not because anything was said, just because it's that connection. And that connection through silence. What about you? Have you had that experience? Yeah, I think that that is what some of the most intimate relationships are built on. This idea that you are so comfortable with one another that you can sit silently together and it isn't awkward. And so whether that's with a good friend, a spouse, a child, right? Sometimes a lot more can be said in that silence and sitting together just enjoying each other's company than in the greatest amount of words that could be said. The other thing that I was reminded of um, when you were talking was uh, an appreciation I have for my uh, current head of school who brought to us the concept of the story I am telling myself. That sometimes when we have an internal dialogue, we are telling ourselves a story. And that isn't necessarily the story that someone else has meant for us to understand from their words or from their actions. And so by stating the story I'm telling myself about your actions or your behavior or your words, right, it allows that other person to clarify what is meant. Whereas, maybe this is the opposite of silence, but sitting silently and stewing about what's in your own head can, can be challenging at times. I think the other piece that's important here is that there's context. And that is, he's growing up amongst some of the greatest of his generation. And he's saying, by being silent and listening, I was able to learn so much, as opposed to if I had talked and talked and talked, how much would I have been able to get from them? It reminds me of Oh, I wish I I wish I remembered where I saw it. It was either in a movie or in a book or in a show. It was something that it was it was this discussion amongst two people when <clears throat> one commented that they were really ill and both were I, I believe really ill and one said it gives you the opportunity to actually listen to what someone else is saying instead of waiting for your turn to speak. 
And I think that it reminded me when you were just talking about that, about that value of not that one should be ill to have to be able to achieve this, but rather that just the idea of truly listening to what someone else has to say and just focusing in on their words and hearing them instead of what are you going to say next? What is your answer? I recently had a colleague uh, who was home taking care of a child and phone, you know, called into a meeting we were having and participated by phone, but really just listened in. And he said it was so interesting to just listen in on the meeting without participating because it gave him a chance to really understand, right, when issues are brought up, who likes to speak first, who speaks with confidence, and who speaks more hesitantly. What phrases do certain people use repeatedly? How does your personality impact your your style of participation at the meeting? Um, and so he said everybody should have to go one meeting with just listening and not participating. They would learn a lot about the group. So I thought that was uh, an interesting comment as well. So that being said, I think that allows us to transition to the next part of the Mishnah, the second part of the Mishnah, where it says, said that the study is not the most important piece, but rather the action. And to me, Akiva, this goes to one of the key components of Judaism. That Judaism is not simply a religion of study. Study is very important, but it is really study in the service of action, right? We have mitzvot, we have commandments, and the goal is to do or not do them, because some of them are things we are not supposed to do, but it is the action that allows us to reach and connect to God as opposed to the simple intellectual study. Um, And this relates in some ways to... uh, to some of the studies I've had in my general studies life where I would see professors in universities, right? And sometimes that's called the ivory tower where they're there and they're thinking all the time and they have theorems and they philosophize. But when it comes to how do I do this practically or how is this practical application important, there's very little connection. Um, and so it was always my preference to learn and study with teachers who had been in the field um, and who could come and give us practical examples and practical advice rather than those who were coming from the theoretical perspective. I just have to love the irony of the practical teaching of teaching. Um, I, I hear what you're saying, and and we had a very you know very similar experiences when it when it came to that, you know we have all these different medical studies, and they're all done on these pristine groups where you exclude all the possible variables, and of course that does, in science, need to be done to be able to prove the efficacy or safety of a treatment. At the same time, it is supremely impractical. Uh, We don't get patients who read the textbook and only have this thing and nothing else. 
It's, in fact, just the opposite. People very often have a multitude of conditions and variables that affect their lives, and that is why studies need to both have these pristine examples, but then we have other studies that have used real-world practical clinical studies where they're done in the office, and they're not necessarily these what we would consider clean studies, but on the other hand, they, they're getting your hands dirty. They're, they're dealing with what people are doing in their lives and how they're doing with certain treatments and what they're tolerating, what they're not, and those have significant use for us as well. So suffice it to say, I think that the idea of having action and not just studying something, learning, What's the point? I mean, even even in and of itself, right? We and Avi, I'll ask you to kind of go into this further, because we we learn about all these different mitzvot. That the the premise of everything we learn is essentially how to know more about what to do and what not to do. So it's it's a great sentiment, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. And I know you do as well. I guess the question that I have is. Why does it need to be said? So I, I think it needs to be said because when you look at the times that they lived in, and even the times that we live in, right? We live in a time where knowledge is power, right? Where there is a, a intellectual revolution in terms of content and knowledge. We have gone from who can know such things to, I have such things on a small device in my pocket. And so you might think that with all of this knowledge, now comes power. But in reality, what ends up happening is that it isn't necessarily the knowledge of power, it's the application of that knowledge that leads to power, that leads to success, that leads to being able to do things, right? And for lack of a better term, it's sometimes where we talk about school smarts versus street smarts. The idea that, you know, certain certain people can do very well in academic situations, but when it comes to real world situations are not nearly as successful, whereas the students who sometimes are not as successful in the academic situations, when they get out into the world are infinitely more uh, successful because they can read people, they can read situations, they're able to learn from their own mistakes and practically apply what they've learned to the next situation that they're in. And so there are those components. So I want to turn to the last piece, which is V'chol ha-marbet dvarim me'vichet. And so the Art Scroll edition that we have translates this as, and anyone who excessively talks brings on sin. But I want to suggest that dvarim doesn't just refer to speech, but it can refer to things as well, items, right? Ownership. Um, and I think that ties in well to the, to the second piece that we just talked about, right? Because you might say, well, the more action, the better than study. So I'll let, me go, let me go act by collecting things, right? Let me uh, show how much I know by getting 
the brand new car or how successful I am by buying the brand new house or whatever the case may be. Um, and I think there's a danger to that. There's a danger to trying to show what you know or how successful you are through the things that we own. And so let's talk about that, and then we can always go back and, and talk about the importance of too many words as well. So, Akiva, talk to us about too many things. I really love how this particular Mishnah is is progressing. It starts off with the importance of silence and the importance of not just silence, but having learned from the sages, the wise ones, the value of silence. And it then goes into the importance of action. So we start with listening, and then don't just listen, don't just learn, act. And we end with, but don't do it excessively. And I think it's a really beautiful way to say that everything needs to be in its appropriate level. It reminds me of Kohelet, where there's a right time for everything. There's a time to listen. There's a time to act. There's a time to stop. And I think the fact is, is that we know that if... It it reminds me of an example that we sometimes talk about where... right? And Avi, I'll I'll certainly ask for your clarification on this, but there's, there's a an idea that it's appropriate to, I believe the word that was used is rebuke people who make mistakes, people who do something wrong, people who aren't necessarily doing something correctly. And I think that almost perfectly reminds me of this because it speaks to the fact of, and and again, I'll, I'll leave it to you to go over the, the finer details, but my understanding of it is, is that Right, you sh- you shouldn't watch someone make a mistake when you can give them help. At the same time, don't be a know-it-all. Don't think that your way is the right way to do. If you are in fact qualified to make that claim, then for sure. But similarly, the idea of doing any of that to access, and I know I know you said with things, too many things. I do think that action, too much action, can be an issue. And I would qualify that that, the idea of rebuking someone, to me comes as the idea of being more of an action than just a regular speech. It's a corrective action. And if misused, can in fact be harmful. And at best could turn somebody off the derech, which would lead to chet. I think going a step further, it's that question of just too much, what about too much other stuff? What about too many possessions? You said owning too many things or having too many things. And I think it takes away the enjoyment. It takes away the value of what you have when you just have more and more and more. Right? We, We have this ability to appreciate what we have, what we don't have, what we say, what we don't say, who we are, who we're not. And I think that if you upset that balance, then you lose the appreciation. And 
again, I think when you're losing the appreciation for things, when you're losing the gratitude, if you're losing gratitude, you're certainly not having gratitude towards Hashem, which one would argue would also be a sin. Um, but I, I, I'd like, I, I think I kind of hopefully set you up, Avi. I'd love for you to kind of go into the finer details of what I was trying to get at. So you've actually set me up with several issues. Um, the first one I'll talk about is the idea of giving rebuke, or tochecha as it's called. And the idea there is that, yes, you should rebuke someone, but there's a couple of provisos for that. One is only if they are in a place in their life and in their uh, and in their mental well-being where they can hear it and where they're willing and that you are somebody that they are willing to take it from because otherwise it's just yelling at them it's just telling them they're bad or they're wrong and so yes that can certainly lead to um, hurt feelings uh, people who who look at Judaism askance um, and so anytime that we are giving any kind of rebuke or, or reminding people what they should or shouldn't be doing. Uh, we have to be very careful about that. Uh, another piece that you brought up was the idea of too many things and that too many things or too many actions can be negative as well. And I think there's two parts to that. One is the idea of trying to do too much, right? We live in a world where sometimes we measure how important someone is by how busy they are, right? Oh, I never have time to see my family because I'm so busy doing X, Y, and Z, as opposed to saying, you know what? The most important thing I can have is a good work-life balance is to say, I know that the things that I'm doing are important and I've prioritized my time and my responsibilities. And when it comes to things... You know, there is this idea of keeping up with the Joneses. There's this idea that, you know, is there a need for certain things because of status or because of the community that you live in, right? Do you have to have 14 carving stations at the wedding or the bar mitzvah? Because if not, people are going to look at you and go, oh, he just, I guess he's, he's not as successful as we thought he was. Um, Versus saying, you know what, what we really want is a bar mitzvah that's meaningful or a wedding that celebrates the couple. And at the end of the day, those are the things that you can look back on and say, the money I spent them, I, I spent on them was well spent. It was meaningful. Right? So I'll share, we're, we're having the conversation about bringing my daughter home from college for Pesach. Now, there's two components. There's whether she wants to come home because it means missing some classes uh, on both sides of the Chag. And there's also the idea of, well, it's quite expensive because of the timing that it takes place. And I said, honestly, if I'm thinking about where I would want to spend my money, right, having her home for Pesach, to me, is a very worthwhile use of, of our Resources. of our resources, right, of our limited resources, because that is it, it, family time that we otherwise might not spend together, 
In addition, my parents will be with us and my brother and sister-in-law and their family will be with us. So it'll really be a time of family together um, as opposed to saying, well, do I need to upgrade my car or other things in and around my life? So here's a question for around your Shabbos table. What have you learned through silence? And what action did you make happen because of what you learned?